1: Welcome to the Elevated Podcast. Based on the best-selling book written by Drew Maddox and Virgil Herring, this podcast is a deep dive into each word from the book, offering stories and insights based on gameplay, coaching, and spectating. Each word selected for Elevated was designed to inspire, motivate, and challenge readers to help them reach a higher level of performance in sport, business, and life. You can purchase your copy of Elevated on Amazon.com. Here are your hosts, Drew Maddox and Virgil Herring. The Elevated podcast is brought to you by Tennessee Neurofeedback, Nashville's locally owned neurofeedback provider. Neurofeedback is a drug-free solution to optimizing your brain function. Using brain mapping technology, we get to know your brain and its unique wiring. We then develop a personalized training plan designed to address problem areas in your brain. We can help you achieve your specific goals by creating new neural pathways. Neurofeedback is an effective treatment for a wide range of issues, including problem sleeping, concussions and traumatic brain injuries, depression and anxiety, behavioral issues, addiction, and post-traumatic stress disorder. At Tennessee Neurofeedback, we also help our clients achieve peak levels of performance. We train athletes, musicians, writers, and business leaders to unleash their fullest potential. Our custom training protocols promote optimal communication between the left and right sides of the brain, resulting in higher levels of clarity, focus, and creativity. If you're interested in improving your sport, helping your children get through their homework without a meltdown, or finding drug-free treatment for depression, tennessee neurofeedback is ready to help find out more today and schedule your brain map at tnnfb.com
2: welcome to elevated the podcast based on the best-selling book elevated that you can find on amazon i'm virgil herring and joining me is my co-author and great friend
3: drew maddox Drew, how are you today buddy having a great day virgil i hope you are as well awesome chapter yep. <laughs> eight
2: vision we we, we kind of touched vision in, in our last word yeah. commitment in chapter seven. To me, uh, vision is a, such a huge play such a huge role in everything we do because it's the almost the first phase of choosing it looks like going on vacation. Where do you want to go? Right. I want to go to Italy. That's the vision. I, then, then you cultivate. I want to go
3: to Italy too.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's so bad. But I mean, you, you, that's the where it starts. Like, yep. where do you want to go? I want to go to Italy. Yep. How do we get there? Book flights. Get hotels. Get yep. a game plan. Now, save money. Go do it. <laughs> but then, bang, you go. And then, with when you do all of those things, great things occur. And, yep. it, and it starts with vision. So, when you think of the word vision, what is it that
3: you what, what is your impetus to vision? The visual that comes to my mind, you just use the, the vacation analogy, but when, when I think about vision, I think about going uh, into a new environment, a new situation, or to a new place that I've never been before. So say I go to Mall of America. What's the first thing that you do when you get into Mall of America is if you're there to go to the Gap and you want to go to Foot Locker and you want to go to where I think about the visual of walking up and I look at the big board and I start to look at where do I want to go? And before I can even begin to understand where I want to go, what's the next thing that I look at? I look for the big arrow of you are here <laughs> And so, what I'm trying to do is understand where I'm presently am, where my feet are, and what is the ultimate goal, the ultimate vision of where I want to be. Yeah. And then I can then I can, as you said, you know, line up the flights and da 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 da. I can begin to rewind the clock and establish what are those moments, what are those dots that I need to connect mm-hmm. to get me from where I am today. To what I ultimately want to become. Mm-hmm. But if I don't have a vision and I don't ha- can't see it, mm-hmm. then it's fleeting. I mean, I'm just walking into air. Mm-hmm. I mean, w- w- the vision keeps you on course. The vision establishes hope. Mm-hmm. The vision allows you to overcome. The vision allows you to deal with struggle, adversity, failure, miss disappointment, and allows you to keep going, yeah. right. even if you take a wrong turn.
2: I'm fascinated by vision because I know what it means in golf but I'm I, I'm fascinated at the highest level of basketball yep. at night before a game or the day before a game when you're visualizing do you spend much time visualizing negative outcomes to learn how to overcome them are you visualizing going 0 for 7 in the first quarter or in the first half and visualizing yourself coming back and being clutch when the team needs you in the fourth quarter? Or do you only visualize
3: what you want to occur? Yes, that. that we're, we're When we are going through visual exercise as a team, and we do this a lot because mm-hmm. I believe in it wholeheartedly, yeah. as a group collectively, individually with the, the young men, myself, when I, when I wake up in the day, it's a daily practice of what's my vision for the day you know pray and meditating uh, thinking through what do i want the day to to look like you know what i hope for kind of thing but we're doing the same thing but it's what we are trying to drive them to is positive yeah everything is positive reinforcement of the vision we don't ever visualize or talk about prior to an event a competition we now we'll put you in in, in moments of adversity and struggle and practice but in terms of when we're in a, in a learning environment, the locker room, the team room, we're only talking about the positive of what's it to become yeah That's the way we approach it. sure is it right? is it wrong? I don't know it's worked for us sure. in that we're trying to it, it, it's like this. you know the first thing um, I love te- at teaching shooting. You know, obviously I, I I was I consider myself a pretty good shooter and I've coached so. some really good shooters. Yeah. And one of the things that our program is known for is one of the leading shooting cultures that you would ever see in high school. We yes. have college coaches come okay. and study the way we teach shooting. And one of the things that we do is the visualization of creating the brain memory, and you know the science behind sure. this, of just seeing that ball go through the net. So the way that we start practice is you have to make a certain amount of shots up close to the basket before you even step out away from the basket because you're training yourself of what what you're seeing as the ball just travels through the net. Get your rebound, travel through the net, travel through the net, just over and over and over again um, because we want that vision established. So as I do step back away from the basket, it's not a mechanical thing. It's a belief, it's a commitment, and it's a vision of seeing that thing go through the basket. Interesting.
2: Because in in golf, I believe that it's important because it's impossible to play a flawless round. That you see yourself play Mm -hmm. the all-18 holes in your mind, but you see yourself say, you know, I could hit this ball right on this hole because I can't afford to hit it left. There's water left. So if I hit it right and I'm over here behind this tree— I'm going to do this so that if you actually end up doing it, you're not overcome by the, the shot that goes sure. offline. Yeah. You're prepared yeah. for that shot. Now, I'm not saying that any of my players visualize failing all 18 holes, Right, but they, they know there are certain holes that they have to be careful on. Yeah, So if they have to be careful on a certain hole, the, uh, the outcome could be the exact opposite. Right, I can't go left. And I want to commit to hitting it down the fairway, but I might choose to make sure I don't hit it, make a double bogey, a little more right, and go a little more right. Yep. Now I'm over here behind this tree, yeah. And now I have to kind of slice it around the yeah. tree. If you've already visualized yourself doing that, yeah. and overcoming that, yeah, you're not affected by it, right? Another thing I find fascinating about vision, yeah. This is a pretty interesting story, and a great friend of mine, Stephen Yellen, who's probably, the, in my opinion, the greatest mental coach on understanding what your brain needs to do to play.
0: Mm.
2: He's not an expert in like a psychologist on understanding how you need to overcome your failures right. of the past or the traumas of the past. You, He's only about, this is what happens in the brain when you do this. Mm. He tells this story. When Germany played Argentina in the, the World Cup, and I believe that was in 14, it might be 2012. It was in South America. It was in Brazil. Okay. Argentina has the greatest player ever, maybe, in Lionel Messi, if not the greatest player ever, certainly the greatest player of our time. Yes. In South America, all of the pressure was on Argentina Mm -hmm. to win. The German coach sits down with the German team. who's They play very – as German as you'd expect fine German engineering to do. They're very precise. Yeah. It's almost like a mathematical breakdown how they play soccer. Okay and he says to his team y'all want to win the world cup and like yes of absolutely course. <laughs> then i are you willing to accept the possibility that your very best game today could lose mm. and they're like okay we oh yes if you can accept the possibility that you could lose then you have the freedom to play to win wow because Argentina can't lose.
3: They're playing not, not to lose. They can't
2: lose. Yeah. We're in South America. We you know, it's a Latin sport yeah. essentially, you know, especially and that's the sport in yeah. Latin America. They have the greatest player either ever or in the world yes. today. All of the pressure is on them and they're not even thinking that losing is a possible outcome. Watch how much pressure they play with. Wow. And the, the and one of my favorite Oh, so, that's one of my greatest. Last, it's the last names. The German player is Schweinsteiger. We used to make fun of when I was on radio because it, was, it sounded like a great, way to, a great way to get angry. about something. Yeah. But he, he talked about he could see how tight they were playing because they couldn't not think about anything else other than winning. And they couldn't make a mistake wow. where the Germans were like, we're not. Well, We're going to win, but we're going to win because we're playing free because we're not supposed to win. Yeah, even though I don't know why they would think that they wouldn't. But the coach spun it in a way.
3: Wow, to
2: take all the pressure off of them. So I guess that's what it's like playing Tiger or like playing Michael Jordan. Yeah, is that if you feel like you need to play greater than you can, you can't play free. Yes. Wow. So the being able to visualize not just the great yeah but being able to overcome the negative Mm. as if it's not going to happen of course it's going to happen right how do you handle adversity is a a vision of a a secondary vision yeah because it's easy to pollyanna and think about what all the great things you want to do yes but my like one of my favorite lines of all time comes from mike tyson and you posted it the oh, other day. Oh yeah, no, that it was so is, good. Everybody's got a plan to like <laughs> to like point it to be in the face.
3: <laughs> you know. It's a great it's
2: a great place to be, but I mean, that's the thing is like all good plans get changed in the first face of adversity. Yeah. So, like to me there is like the once again, I respect the heck out of your like staying in the positive. Yeah. But in in other ways I wanted to hear what you had to say because I knew that yeah. not every sport, you can tie everything right. in parallel. parallel. Yeah. But in golf, I'm always thinking about, you know,
3: we're going to have to deal with adversity yeah. in, in this sport for yeah. sure. And I thought that was a pretty powerful story. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was thinking, as you were just saying that, I remember being at uh, Middle Tennessee State University 2012 in March. We're playing that Saturday for our first state championship. And what you just described, you could cut the tension in the room, right? I mean, 15, 18-year-old kids playing for a state championship, a lot of fear, a lot of nerves, a lot of anxieties in that. And one of the things I had always thought about, um, you know, before being in that moment, which ties back to my senior year at Good Pasture where we lost the state championship – because of what you just described, the fear was so paralyzing we couldn't lose we couldn't fail we couldn't be that team so we played not to lose and played like a lot of a bunch of robots out there and got beat yeah you know in the state championship so I always had told myself if I was ever part of something that was in that moment again. I was going to encourage mistake making yeah. that in that I was trying to release that. You know, we had always heard the old adage and we hear it all the time, particularly in football circles. You know, the team that makes the least amount of mistakes is going to win this game tonight. Well, no, I, I was like, screw that. The team that makes the most mistakes is the team really that is playing the most free. Yes. And the team that plays the most free is the team that's going to play the most normal. And if we're playing under normal conditions, there's no way that team can beat our team. That's right. And so that's what I was trying to get them to do. And we always talk about in big games, and we've been blessed. We've won some huge games, monumental, I mean, fun games where we were outmatched or we were the favorite. Either way. Mm-hmm. And we always talk about, and it goes back to that Mike Tyson quote, though, in those big moments, the team that can throw that first punch and they have that freedom of moment that that just this force where you can just tell they're not tight, they're not scared by the moment, the moment's not too big, they've embraced it. It's amazing when that other team gets on their heels in those big moments, Mm -hmm. they can never recover. That's right.
2: Especially, I would say, especially when you're dealing with 14- to 18-year-olds. Oh, they're done. They're, most of the time, they're smoked. And so a
3: lot of those games, you know, we may win by 20, 25 points, even up to, I mean, I would say 30 points, and, and you're not that much better than them. They just couldn't recover. Yeah. After that first punch was landed, first quarter, they had to call timeout. You're up 12-0, you know, 12-2, 14-2. Game's over.
2: Yeah. And just learning how to, what I call the boa constrictor. Just people think,
3: <laughs> people it. think you're hugging them, but you're really killing them. Love it. Love One of the greatest lines I have ever heard described. Were you describing Brent Seneca? Or, 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 yeah. or, I just, that is so good. <laughs> what a visual.
2: <laughs> so, well, I, I told that story about the soccer team to my guys uh, for the state championship in, in golf um, last year. I could just sense, you know, we're very blessed to have all the things we have yep. here, all of our schools, right? Yep. But golf, this is the the high school mecca of, of golf. Taj Mahal.
3: Yeah. Not, not even close.
2: And we have a lot of great players. Yeah. So I could tell when we were winning by 12 after the first day. Yeah. I'm sorry, we were winning by six after the first day, and we got up to 14 and midway through the second day. I could tell that there was a lot of pressure. I have a very young team. I have one senior. Two sophomores and two freshmen. No, two sophomores, a freshman, and an eighth grader playing for me. Wow. And I could see that, and I could get a chainsaw out, and I'd be able to cut through all the tension. And I'm like, listen, I need you all to understand something. Can you imagine playing your very best tomorrow and not winning? Mm -hmm. And they looked at me like, no. What are you talking about, Coach? (laughs) I I think that you should understand. We had this very similar situation early in the year against MBA. NBA. Mm Mm-hmm in our what is called the Daily Cup match where we play NBA in two days of intense competition Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year. so Ours are coming up in like two weeks. And we trounced them bad the first day. Yeah. The second day, they came back and they had us on the ropes. We had to go into a playoff to beat them. Wow. I said, do you think for a second that you're not going to get the greatest rounds of golf from NBA? Of course you are. Yeah. And we are the target of so many, right. You have to be willing to accept that your very best tomorrow might not be okay. Might might not win, but that won't make you a failure. The most important thing to understand is that if you give me your best and we don't win, you didn't lose NBA or whoever else would, they won. won. Mm -hmm. We cannot afford to do anything else other than this statement. We are going to shake the hands of people that beat us. We are not going to look in the mirror to find out who beat us.
3: Mm,
0: that's
3: so good.
2: So they went out and they played free. Now, obviously, the back nine got very tense because the NBA was un- like went lights out on us. But I, I don't want to give myself too much credit, but I can tell that the kids were definitely like, you know what? I can't control what they're doing. Yeah. I can only control what I'm doing. So I'm just going to play free. I'm going to do what I know I can do on these holes. Yes. And it was enough. And I believe that that, because it was our first state championship for the boys, and this is a school that you, most people would think would have won multiple right. golf state championships, yeah. but we hadn't won one for the boys. So the, there was they know how important it was. Yeah. And to see them, they're going to be able to draw on breaking through hmm. barriers they're gonna draw on handling as much adversity as you can really take at that group at that age group and that scenario of the best player in our state shooting a state championship record sixty two in the final round. That's insane. Huh.
3: Insane. That's
2: oh insane. My so Jaren Leisure, that is unbelievable, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's so fen- phenomenal. And they had they had a boy who finished first and a boy who finished third. Yeah. And we had all five of our guys finish in the top twelve.
3: Gotcha. So okay.
2: the difference is that we yeah. didn't have all of our guys played very steady and very yeah. good and they had two stalwart performances. And we won because we played we, we didn't make any we hardly made any mistakes. Yeah. We didn't and we just forced people to beat us. Yeah. And I'm under the influence that in this
3: age group, more tournaments are lost than won. Yeah. What what is I mean, you just said I'm going to use it 10 times over. I mean, we are going to shake the hands of somebody that beats us, but we're not going to look in the mirror and say, ultimately we beat ourselves because of this factor or that factor. That's right. What a beautiful statement that I will, I will steal and plagiarize. (laughs) I may give you credit. (laughs) (laughs) Just Just once, just just put it on. But I'm always fascinated at how great leaders, coaches, you know, Handle those moments of, you know, whether you're competing for a championship or, you know, whatever it may, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're Jeff Bezos and you're at an Amazon and we're trying to create the next version of what this looks like and how do I convince my team, mm-hmm. you know, that we have what it takes essentially and, um, you know, not to be worried about Google coming up from behind or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Like, no, we're just trying to do the next right thing that has been created as a vision for us to walk into. Yeah. I find myself,
2: I have a pattern when I'm, when I'm public speaking, when I'm coaching, when I'm leading, which is, and I do my podcast on the verge like this, yeah. which is I bring you up, I take you down so that you can see how high we're going to go. Mm. You know, so I want to, like in my, on the verge, I'm like, Drew, what made you great? Mm. Talk to me about all the things that make you great. Talk to me about something that was so bad yeah. that you didn't know that you could overcome it. Yeah. And now that you've seen how, how low you can go yeah. and how you pulled yourself out of that, let's go back and talk about how high we're yeah. going to get again. Yeah. And when you can see like, wow, he, I know where I want to go. Yep. I know that my very best efforts could not work out. And I've done enough things in my life to pull myself back out of this that I know that I can get to the top of the mountain. Even if I have to go down a valley to get there, I can get to the top because I have struggled and I have failed and I have done things that didn't turn out the way I wanted to. And I persevered through it and got better for tomorrow. And that is like... That is my vision. Yeah. When I visualize myself doing my podcast, coaching the team, public speaking, I take people up the coaster. Mm. It's like a roller coaster ride. Yeah. The roller coaster ride starts. You're sitting flat, and you hear the ching, 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 mm. ching, ching, ching. It takes you up the hill. Yeah. Then the last car lets go, of that that uh, chain. Yeah. <laughs> Straight downhill. Yeah. And and when it's going downhill, it's always going faster than the yes. ascension up. Yes. But then at the end, the roller coaster reaches its final low and then slows down by coming back up the hill. Yeah. And it's over and you've achieved your mm. dream, which is to get through the super duper looper or whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever the roller coaster is, you've made it through that. Yeah. So the roller coaster analogy is very poignant in my life and how I how I coach public speak and lead, which yeah. is... We have to keep the the vision of what we want, but we have to know that there's a possibility that it won't go perfect, yeah. and we have to know that we have the ability to pull ourselves out of that. Yeah. And to me, that's one of the things that I would imagine I would be, if I was basketball coaching, would be trying to. That's how I would be passing it on. there's a chance that we might we might go cold from
3: three yeah. at some point in this game? Yeah, and it, when that happens, this. Is how we're going to attack that. That's right. And then they're like, oh,
2: okay, our threes aren't going in. How well are we rebounding? Yep. How are we boxing out? Right. What's the kind of pressure we're putting on the ball when they're coming back up right. the court? Like All of those things can yes. also change. Like, instead of us focusing on how great of a three-point shooting team right. we are, that's now, good. now we've demonstrated that even if we're not hot, we will crush you because we are outrageously awesome at the box out. Yes, we rebound like Dennis Rodman at every position. <laughs> and if you think you're going to be able to advance the ball up us on the court without facing any pressure, you are greatly mistaken. Yes, because most people think we're a high scoring basketball team, but we play everything. Mm-hmm. And it just we score a lot of points because we play awesome defense. We rebound the heck out of it, mm-hmm. and we don't give up. But we are recognized. As a shooting school, and then they're like, "Yeah, yeah." So like, if if they get pigeonholed in thinking we're only a shooting team, yeah, and it goes south. You're right. Now, like, what do we hang our head You're on? Right. And to me, like the first team I think of, in that is when um, Patino coached Providence, mm. and they had Billy Donovan yeah. and all those guys. They were shooting threes. Yeah. They they were like twenty and twelve, and of course the Big East at that time was a cauldron of yes. massive proportion. <laughs> um, they, yeah, but they didn't rebound well, and they didn't play defense as great as other Patino teams later would. Mm. Um, and then the obviously, the, in my opinion, the pinnacle of that is Loyola Marymount. In, in the 90s right. where they'd score 150 points and lose, yeah, you know, to UNLV yeah. because they couldn't play any defense. So their whole point was they were going to outscore you. Yeah. Hey, go ahead. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, and obviously they had, one, they had two of the greatest players in, at the time, Hank Gathers and Bo Kimble. Yeah. But what was really fascinating about them is that, much like you've talked about in multiple podcasts here, when you're playing for something bigger than yourself – bizarre things occur yeah so when Hank Gathers died unexpectedly right. on the basketball court all of a sudden Loyola Marymount became a very different basketball team yeah. and they got into this, the elite eight yeah without essentially the best player in basketball yeah. he was yeah. leading scorer and leading rebounder in yeah. the NCAA they changed their identity mm. because they were playing for Hank mm-hmm. and one another thing that I think about when it, when it comes to this is that vision is a is a major player in being outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite stories, you know, I wasn't coaching Brandt at the time. Todd Anderson was and now is again. But when Brandt won the FedEx Cup, Todd's son, on the Monday prior, was in a serious car accident mm. and nearly died. Mm-hmm. And it was in Atlanta at the time, actually. So Brandt went to see him at the hospital every morning before he played. Mm. Brant Snedeker is very dangerous when he's playing for something bigger than himself. Mm. He's that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. His heart gets full, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So a couple of his victories were over very challenging, sad things. He won his second PGA Tour event after the legendary Vanderbilt golf coach Mason Rudolph passed yeah. away. So he, played, he shot 63 in the final round the day after he found out that Mason passed away. Mm. He wins the FedEx Cup. And he had never won from in front before. He had always won from behind. Mm. He wasn't playing as Brant Snedeker. He was playing for Todd's son representing himself. Wow! And it was the greatest golf I'd ever seen him play. And I would tell him that to his face that I wasn't coaching you when you played the best golf I've ever seen you play. Yeah. And I'm very proud of you Yeah. because you demonstrated something bigger than Brant Snedeker. Mm. And there's a lot to be taken from that. And he, I know that he wasn't, Purposeful at the time, visualizing, yeah, but he played with a visualization that he was going to be the best version of, and he was going to persevere and be tough through this challenging moment because he knew that he had to demonstrate it for that boy who was clinging to life by a thread. And if he could, if he could just demonstrate and then show up, yeah, and hold his hand every morning saying, Hey, man. You can do it. And I, and you're and he was like, You're helping me. Yeah. Because your strength is making me tougher on the golf yeah. course. Those kind of visualizations. Yeah. And how you I hate using the word trick yourself. Yeah. But when you can trick your mind mm. into not letting it go down negative rabbit holes mm-hmm. and focus on being tougher than you've ever been, more mm. resilient than you've ever been. That's where vision is bigger than just the first picture. Yeah, It's
3: also the last picture that you're buying. You know, it's one of the reasons why I love watching the great golfers play in the Ryder Cup Yeah, (laughs) because of what you're describing. All of a sudden, I'm hooked into something bigger. It's why I love thinking about, you know, the dream team in 92 coming together or when the greats of our generation, LeBron and KD and these guys now representing the country – the paradigm shifts. It's not about their free agency, their contract value, you know, their long term deal, forming a super team, winning all of that is out the window. And it is all about this bigger vision that I'm a part of that has gotten me outside of myself. Yeah. And I, I guess my you know, I was thinking about cause I, I tell the story in the book about my personal journey of at age five, because my dad and my granddad had played basketball at Vanderbilt. Yeah. I wanted to play basketball at Vanderbilt. I wanted to be, you know, because that was kind of passed down. And so at age five in kindergarten in Miss Sandy's class at Nanny Berry Elementary, what do you want to be when you grow up? Kind of exercises that we do with kindergartners. I, drove, I drew myself in a Vanderbilt uniform.
0: Oh, how and
3: awesome is that? that's what I wanted to do when I grew up. And so my entire life in my bedroom on the on the mirror – was this picture. I always had it up because it drove me every day. When I looked in the mirror, I looked at that vision of what I wanted to become. Mm -hmm. And so one of the great stories I tell is the very first game I ran out on the court at Memorial Gym, my mom brought that picture. And because now that dream, that vision had become a reality, I'm on the court wearing 45. She ripped the picture up because... Now the dream was the reality that I was currently living.
0: That's so beautiful.
3: So my question, though, is this, because I've thought about this in my own life, because I was like, okay, do we, or how do we, or I don't even know how to phrase the question, but do sometimes we limit ourselves because the level of the vision may not be as high as what we could possibly achieve? Meaning, what if I would have drawn myself in an Atlanta Hawks uniform or a Golden State Warrior uniform. You know, does that vision even take you to a higher place? Mm -hmm. Because I fulfilled the vision. So then at that point, was I okay? Yeah. That was fulfilling. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was what I wanted to do. It was an amazing experience. But what if there was a little bit more? What if I had another level, another gear, but my vision – limited that in a, in a way, I don't know. I'm just, it's a different way to look at vision that sometimes we cast limits on our own selves and the ceiling is much less than what we even have capacity to go and achieve.
2: Well, that's a, that's a really interesting question because it has so many layers to it. Yeah. One is I would say that I believe that if you had put yourself in a Boston Celtics uniform, you would have ended up playing for the Boston Celtics. Mm But when you made that dream, that was a pretty big dream.
3: It was a huge dream. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're breaking the math in terms of numbers. No doubt about it. So first thing I would would tell you is,
2: are you asking me that question because in some ways you look back on it and feel like you've failed yourself by not setting the bar high enough
3: that's what i'm almost like i'm sitting on your couch and you're my counselor right here and i'm asking like i don't want to look back and have regret i Mm -hmm. guess you know if we're if we're trying to encourage the people Mm -hmm. one person or however many people would listen to this podcast Mm -hmm. you know virgil drew coach me up how do i know how high or low that vision should be for myself
2: Okay. So one of the thing that you didn't do is you didn't put yourself in a position to have imposter syndrome, which was to put yourself out there to be a, a Boston Celtic or a, a Los Angeles Laker. And then as you get close to it, you don't know that you're deserving of it right. and you sabotage yourself. It's a very common uh, problem. Okay. I would be trying to first help you remember that you are very, very far from failing. And to help you understand that you're a spiritual guy, mm. just like me. Just because you didn't play in the NBA doesn't mean that you're not more valuable as a coach than you would have been as a role model in a very unique role model scenario, which people might not get a chance to know who you really are, but they watch you play basketball and they love the way you play. Right. So you, you demonstrated that you can play at the highest level of college basketball, and you didn't make it, maybe because you didn't visualize it, maybe, maybe not. But at the end of the day, you took what you probably feel as not making it in the NBA. And you took that energy and you then refocused it into another area that you raised your bar, your law of attraction, the secret. You know, you raised yes. your, your bar as a coach. And maybe, maybe what you're doing. Is that you're going to somewhere along the line impact a player of equal talent as you and steer their vision higher because you sacrificed mm. the learning of it and you figured out that piece. And you're going to help, you're going to hold some boy's or girl's hand and take them to the top because you were forced to experience the chasm or the schism between where you ended up and where you deep down inside maybe wanted to be, but you didn't see it there. Mm-hmm. You tie the piece together, and that allows you to take one or more kids from the dream of playing college basketball to an even higher level. And it was only because you didn't make it, and you wanted to find out what you needed to do differently. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think you coach right now. Mm-hmm. I think you coach yourself, the 22-year-old Drew. Mm-hmm. You're coaching yourself through what you've learned mm-hmm. to the point where now you're a coach. But you're almost talking to all these kids, but you're actually talking to the 22-year-old version of you. Mm-hmm. And you're elevating yeah. them through yourself and through your game. And they have to listen because they know that you've been where they want to go. Mm. The difference is I think that it's very possible that you limited yourself because you your dream ended on the basketball court memorial gym. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> okay, because at the end of the day, I never did that, and I love basketball. No. And you might be serving a greater purpose to the world Amen. as what you're going through mm-hmm. by not making the NBA, yeah. but figuring out, like, if I shot a little bit better, if I played a little bit better defense, if we could scheme a little bit differently mm-hmm. to really tax this superstar player that's better than all of our players, mm-hmm. how can we make him uncomfortable? All those things mm-hmm. that you're learning – as a coach, you're actually learning because you already know how to be Drew Maddox, mm-hmm. but you didn't know how to be the Drew Maddox that would play for the Celtics. But I want to, I want to tie those pieces mm-hmm. together and coach them up so that they see it bigger than I mm-hmm. saw
3: it. Mm.
2: And I think that that's how I'd look at it if I was you. That's good because it's easy to look back and say, "Be hard on yourself because you yeah. didn't set the bar high enough." I don't think so. Yeah, I think that you're you're a coach, and pe- and you love. I'm not sure that you don't love elevating others more than you love elevating yourself, no doubt. and that means no that doubt. you actually did what you're supposed to be doing. Yep, you had to get to that level, mm-hmm. and if you really wanted to do it, I believe that you would have done it anyway. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you didn't want to do it, but I think you now know, and deep inside of yourself, there was a two percent commitment level that you didn't have. Right, and maybe it was because you didn't even know what that was. Right, but in the search. You found it. Yeah. And now you're passing on those gems. And maybe you would would have never sniffed LeBron. Yeah. Or MJ or Kobe or Steph for that matter. But you can certainly watch them and you can the analytics are very powerful Mm -hmm. on what they're doing that makes them so great. And then you apply what you know and apply what you see and you apply what the analytics tell you. You can draw some easy parallels Mm -hmm. to it. And now you're better. Mm. And that is the most important thing to take away from vision is that you've, you've set a great initial, like the law of attraction, the secret. You, you absolutely demonstrated the secret. right. Five years old, drew yourself a picture yeah. of you wearing a Vanderbilt uniform, stuck it on the wall. Tiger Woods did the same thing with Jack Nicholas's records and everything. Mm. He put it all out there. He threw it out to the universe, and the universe gave it to you. Mm. And that just tells you, because you're still young, right. right? You can you can you can use this going forward and mm. set your bar even higher yeah. and higher and higher. Which is what I'm looking at when I when I think about the book, yeah. And I think about our podcast. Would I like to be the voice of golf on CBS? Yes, but maybe. My purpose is bigger. Yes, at a at a v- vaster audience than just golf, mm. and that's where I'm at right now yes, in my life, which it's is so good. I, I have golf. Yes, golf's my deal. Right, right. But I'm in my vision for myself. I'm bigger than golf. Yes, and I love to help people more than yes. I love to succeed myself. Yes, and so like winning in a golf tournament doesn't mean anything to me compared to, and I've won 14 times. As a professional. Yeah. But when I watched the, my team win, yes, I was more excited no no about doubt. them winning than I ever was about any time I ever won. No doubt. And that is the sign yes. that you're a coach. Yeah, I'm, This is not to discourage Michael Jordan. I don't know if Michael Jordan would be a great coach because it wouldn't matter to, as mm. much to him as a coach that he coached him to win. Because mm. st- I think that in his mind, he'd be like, if I'd have been there, we'd have done this, this, and right. this. Because that's what I would imagine will be going through the greatest of all times. Mind, mm-hmm. like I would imagine, it's got to be really tough to be Tiger Woods coaching golf, Michael Jordan coaching basketball,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Peyton Manning coaching uh-huh. football. Can you? Imagine, I can't imagine yeah. like being a, being the quarterback for a team that's coached by Peyton Manning yeah. and watch him. How could you? That's not how we taught you <laughs> <how> to <laughs> drop back. <laughs> what are you doing? Yes. You know, and like. Because they can't relate to what they can't relate to what you can't understand. Right. Right. And that's to me that's the the piece that their vision was hyper focused at the highest level. Yep. And that was their calling. Their calling was to elevate others through their doing. Yeah. We are elevating others through our being.
3: Yeah. That's good. Oh, that's so good! So you just you just preached a sermon right there. That was good.
2: <laughs> well, um, I love it. I, I love to help. Yes, I'm. I'm a, I'm a coach. Yeah, and my coach was the legendary Bill Ball. And the only, just throw it out there for people to wonder is that there's only been one person to ever win every major award in the PGA, and that's Bill Ball. So the fifth award is called the Bill Ball Award. Wow. That was my mentor. So I was mentored by the greatest coach of them all. And he told me, Virgil, if this whole playing thing doesn't work out, I sense that you might mm. be a great coach. Wow. So I sought out the best coaches, but I was really, when I was there, I was way less into it for me as I was interested in how they were coaching me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized what I was. I'm a coach. Yeah. And even though I didn't play in a master's, which was really my ultimate dream i've played there and i coached a player there yeah that's pretty good yeah and i'm not done there but i'm no longer only a golfer yeah and i've found this voice through radio that i've had for 19 years that i was i learned maybe by year five in radio that i was impacting more people's lives than i thought just by my radio show Mm. i wasn't I was not paying attention to that. Yeah. I was just doing it just to talk and yeah. have it was so much fun. But yeah. when people were tracking me down and as soon as social media became a bigger deal, two thousand eight, nine, and I'd get these messages, man, listen to your show, that's when I started to realize, man, I'm when I'm on when I'm doing my radio show, I wasn't just talking only about golfers and golf swings. I was talking about what we can learn mm-hmm. while watching this, that or the other. Mm-hmm. And I would spin it in life lessons. And people were talking to me about things that I was helping them with their family, job, whatever. And that's what set me off on on the verge and now us in this book. and this. -hmm. We just talked about this book. It was like, really, just like, you know, I always want to write a book. Yeah, Well, I wrote a book. It's not that hard. I don't don't even start. Well, let's do it together.
0: (laughs) That's that's all. And then here we are. And here we are. So at
2: the end of the day
3: there's a vision there's a vision it started with a vision that's
2: right and at the end of the day I believe that the most important thing is to remember you can set a new vision every day
0: Mm
2: -hmm. we don't have to have one it doesn't have to be singular Mm -hmm. you can have multiple layers of visions Mm -hmm. visualization and I think the more vision you have the more enriched and abundant your life is amen well that is vision chapter 8 stay tuned next week for chapter 9 as we delve in to more Elevated. You can check out Elevated uh, at Amazon.com and you will find this podcast on iTunes and many other broadband accesses. Have a great day.
1: This podcast is produced by Acres Media Solutions. If you've enjoyed the Elevated podcast, leave a five-star rating and write a review. Be sure to click subscribe so you'll be notified each time a new episode releases. You can purchase Elevated by Drew Maddox and Virgil Herring on Amazon.com. The Elevated Podcast is brought to you by Tennessee Neurofeedback, Nashville's locally owned neurofeedback provider. Neurofeedback is a drug-free method of optimizing your brain function using brain mapping technology and personalized training plans we help you achieve your goals by creating new neural pathways neurofeedback uses the brain's power to heal itself and address a range of issues like anxiety depression and trouble sleeping we help clients achieve peak levels of performance in athletics music and business whether you're an athlete seeking to maximize your potential or a parent searching for alternatives to medication for your child tennessee neurofeedback is here to help schedule a brain map today at tnnfb.com
0: what companies deserve your hard-earned dollar which would you want to work for